took chances itself. Hi, Ayub. Uh, tell us about some of the countries that you cycled through uh, in Europe. Well, uh, the cycling trip started in Spain. That was way back in '82. Uh, that too was there was no uh, prior preparation or any such thing. It was just a very very spontaneous thing. It just happened literally overnight. And uh, I swapped my uh, rucksack or backpack for the bicycle. And there's quite a story behind that. Uh, am I right? Uh, behind the exchange itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, we just met the night before, and uh, and uh, in a nutshell, um, I was just fascinated by all the stuff the man was carrying on such a you know thin-wheeled bicycle and. But uh, he had decided that he is going back to his home country, which was Germany. And uh, I was offered the bike uh, to, to, to cycle through, since I had, uh, not, uh, I had the options on my hand, so to speak. So I had never entertained the idea prior to this that I would be cycling through any place for that matter. I mean, I didn't even cycle a whole day in my life in any way. And so, of course, this became a huge uh, challenge and I had to had not much time to think about it. But I accepted it anyway. And the next morning we just did the exchange and uh, I took his bicycle with all the necessary things that go with it. For example, spares and, um, you know, some camping gear. No tent, though. And I had my sleeping bag and... Uh, well, we exchanged the clothes, and off I took, uh, off I went. I must say that's uh, commendable and admirable of the the guy uh, coming all the way from South Africa. Uh, what was it like uh, meeting him and him meeting you? <laughs> okay, well, it it also happened exactly at the time after the 1982 World Cup uh, in Spain, which I happened to, you know. Uh, witness to a certain extent. I went to a few matches. And uh, though uh, once I took the bicycle thing on, it uh, it just changed. Uh, it was uh, almost a paradigm shift because yeah, suddenly you're depending on your own power, you know, to get to places. And uh, then, uh, well, yeah, about four or five months later, you end off uh, after 14, 15,000 kilometers. And you end off confident and sure and, uh, you know, you're prepared to take on anything after that, I guess. Because from nothing, to me, it was a great uh, achievement just as a personal milestone. Um, I guess uh, not many would attempt such a thing without having some preparation, you know, um, training, etc., uh, definitely quite a astonishing feat you pull off there. Uh, some of the, the places that you you cycled through in uh, Spain. Well, we we started off. I start. I started off. It was me on my own then, of course. Um, uh, Madrid, Che Martin Station. That's the central, the big station in Madrid, the railway station in Madrid, and that's where we had we had met, and uh, uh, that's where we, I, t I took off from. And then I went in the direction 
of uh, France, hoping to get into France. But uh, anyway, we went through a town called Burgos, Vitoria, um, and I ended off in a place on the border. I think it was called um, San Sebastian. Sebastian. Yeah, and then uh, I was turned around at the border since I had no visa, so I cycled across into um, uh, along the coast of uh, Spain, the north coast, town called S uh, Bilbao, and Bilbao. then I got to Santander, and then I took a plummet, uh, um, uh, a ferry, okay, a, to Plymouth in England. And then we went into England, I zigzagged through England and ended off in London and uh, spent a few weeks there with a friend who was living there. Wow. And uh, all in all, that was including the return because I'd gone out and went into Wales. Amazing. Amazing stuff. Liverpool was on my map almost. Uh, Chester was the closest I came to Liverpool. Went through Oxford, <laughs> that is uh, Shakespeare's, uh, no, that would be, Oxford would be the university. University, yeah, right. right. and then Stratford-upon-Avon. Uh, that's, Mac I mean, that's where Shakespeare was born. Okay. Right, and then I went to a place called Ironbridge, the first Iron Bridge in the world, I think, or something to that effect. Right. And uh, such places, and Kidderminster, these are little, little off the road, off the main drags, you know. Yeah. And these are the names that just come to mind as I'm talking to you. And this happened in 1982. Okay, and uh, amongst the, the most beautiful, picturesque uh, places that you've cycled through, uh, which one would you, would you put up there? Ah, well, England was quite a lovely, uh, the countryside of England were quite, uh, quite lovely. Uh, Wales was also lovely. Um, then got into Ireland from Holyhead to Dunleary, that's near Dublin. Okay. And then into Dublin and then cycled uh, almost um, uh, well, the southern half of Ireland, that's Limerick, and uh, that would come down to Waterford. These are the names just coming quickly to mind. And then back up to Dublin. So it was like uh, uh, half half the country covered on a bicycle. Uh, Cost-wise, what was it like? Oh, very, very cheap because I cut out transportation and a lot of accommodation was cut off because I was camping most of the way. And often I was invited to, to stay overnight with uh, different kind, good people. Just, just to interrupt for a, a little while here. So you're traveling on a bicycle. Yeah. You got a camp. A tent with you? Well, I had to. I had to get a tent out of necessity, or urgency. In fact, uh, because I was hitting the stormy season now, getting into the winter in England, and I experienced a very, very stormy night, and uh, totally sleepless and uh, soggy, soggy, wet night I had. And so the next day I went out, and that's the, getting the tent was also quite an amazing story. So when the tents were going around the hundred-pound mark. Yeah. I couldn't afford it at that time. I just had uh, barely over that amount of money in my pocket. And, uh, and uh, yes, there was a 
trekker tent I got from the people from they were from France and they were just closing up an exhibition and I got the the model tent the one that they had displayed outside so okay. they reduced the price on it etc etc perfect tent of course right and uh, yeah and in fact I still do have the remnants of it anyway the poles and so on have to do the sales up again okay and uh, what about the fatigue and uh, cycling through all of this terrain, the, the hills and the valleys of Spain, Portugal, uh, England, uh, Ireland? Uh, weren't you tired, exhausted? You're carrying this load and this bedding and your tent and your home basically on your bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, wow, man, that was... Uh I was carrying like 40, 45 kilograms yeah. of stuff, you know, and uh, then uh, luckily for me, I was somewhat fit, not fit, fit, uh, but uh, having come from playing football, you know, on a regular basis, etc. And so uh, that kind of background that, that carried me into, to, to the point where when I finally got really fit on the bicycle, because after a few weeks of cycling on the bicycle, you do noticeably um, realize that you are, you, are, you, are, you are better at it now than when you started. And so, um, um, yes, uh, it, uh, it, would be, it would be not unusual for me to cover, well, with the load and all that, 150 kilometers for a day, an average, you know, and okay. uh, so occasionally I would hit the 200 kilometer, you know, mark, or, and wow. that would go well. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about food. Uh, food in Spain, Portugal, what was it like? Well, wherever you went, you just carried. I had uh, my, my gas stove, uh, which I bought on the end route, and uh, and besides that, um, well, then we just had to get uh, some food along the way, buying, you know, bits and pieces, onions, tomatoes, and tin stuff, and cheese, and and uh, it depends where you're at. You know, then you go, you might stop off at a local uh, restaurant or cafe where they serve something like tortillas and things like that in Spain. Amazing. And, um, but... Uh, one of the uh, <laughs> use uh, easy dishes was a, a tuna fish salad <laughs> with bread really? <laughs> and with olives. <laughs> I can remember that, and I used to enjoy it. It used to go down well. Yeah, yeah with you know a few lettuce and you know veggies, veggies going alongside it. Yeah. Comparatively speaking, we come back. We come from a, a background where we like our food spicy and hot here in South Africa. Uh, in Europe, uh, did you have to, have to adjust to the food, or it was something you just accepted, and or it was just a natural thing to uh, eat wherever you were? I do realize that uh, coming off uh, the Indian palate, if you like, which is very spicy and so forth. Yes, I do realize that it's difficult for most people that travel out from our background. Um, for them to to get used to food uh, uh, on the outside because mostly the food compared to what we have is quite bland then in that regard but uh, 
nevertheless, once you throw away the, the, the burden of taste, you know, hey, you're expecting a certain taste, you know, you don't go in there biased, you know, prejudging the food, you know, that it must be of a certain taste. Just taste it for the sake of what it is. And I began to really enjoy the food then. Okay. And uh, the sardines and so forth, you know, they roast on the fire, you know, that is the, the Iberian style, uh, was, was later became very common to me and very enjoyable. The fresh sardines with the salads, etc. And uh, no spices, no spices. Okay, and then upward, onwards from, uh, from England, uh, where to from there? Okay, just a quick mention here. England had a, a dish that I, uh, I treated myself to every so often, and that was the famous fish and chips, <laughs> hot on a cold day. <laughs> what the English are renowned for, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah, the English are renowned for that. Hey, man, England, well done for that. I enjoyed the fish and chips there, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, okay, uh, onwards from, from uh, England... Okay, just to oh, mention on in, in England. Damn, that's broken. Doesn't matter. Okay, in uh, in England, I had the the occasion to meet up with a fellow cyclist who was training for a big race, and he had of course the modern bike and so forth and so forth, and he was coming up from behind us, and he noticed that my wheels were totally off shape, and I had no, <laughs> uh, I needed a whole lot of maintenance, you know, <laughs> on the bicycle and. He overtook us at first and then he pulled back and um, he says, hey man, you know what, I feel sorry for you guys, man, you know, but I happen to know the best spoke setter in the county. Yeah. So why don't you guys follow me? So for the next 20 or so kilometers, I was racing behind this guy with my buddy up front. I was traveling with a fellow cyclist at that moment. And Joach uh, um, Eichstedt. He was German, by the way, my partner, yeah. my partner at that moment. Okay. And uh, um, so he took us to this place, and uh, this, true to his word, the guy was a fantastic uh, worksman and uh, craftsman or artisan, and he worked till late in the night, giving me a, what do you call it now in this case, mudguard to mudguard, <laughs> uh, you know, service or maintenance. Um, right, and he, he set the spokes and... And this was on the road? This was on the road. And on the road. And we finished off past midnight. The man was kind enough to work. It was a very difficult job for him. Yeah. He barely managed to put it together. Yeah. Otherwise, it meant I had to get a whole lot of new things, right. which I didn't have the money to pay for, really, in that moment. The... <coughs> Ayub, uh, what about the general reaction? Uh, of people towards you coming from South Africa uh, after having learned that you are South African what was it like? Uh, oh this was good yes 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 I think that's actually quite uh, interesting uh, because uh, by the time I'd reached uh, you know uh, England I hadn't had a haircut and my beard was growing wild <laughs> so I must have been quite a haggard-looking specimen then, <laughs> and uh, so with the bike, uh, with the bicycle, uh, when people met me and I'd say I'm from <laughs> South Africa, and they say, "Wow, you cycled all the way from South Africa," and I would say, "No, man, I ain't that stupid. We got elephants in Africa, don't you know that?" Yeah. <laughs> 
and the guy would say, well, um, uh, wow, and he'd think, and if he, was, if he was a sharp thinker, he'd say, oh, wow, but how did you get across the Sahara? The elephants can't cross the Sahara. <laughs> so I would say, okay, yes, 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 good point. Uh, but uh, there I traded my elephant in for a camel. Yeah. And actually, incidentally, now that you ask, I traded the camel in on the border with Spain <laughs> because they wouldn't allow the camel in Spain. You see? And in Europe, generally. So, uh, I had to then resort to pedal power, you see. And, of course, this turned out to be quite a believable story in the way I looked, because I must have looked wild, and then I have a few pictures of those days. Yeah. And, uh, and the people would go, wow, wow, wow. So, that became my stock standard answer for people when they asked me such questions. Yeah. And I would amaze them every time. What but then at the end of it all, of course, I tell them, hey, man, don't believe you everything you hear, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I say, bye-bye. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen quite a, a variety of reactions. From oh, man, it's wonderful. I love this, this bit. I enjoyed it all the way. Wherever okay. people spoke English, this was a beautiful moment. Okay, guys, that was uh, Ayub cycling through, through Europe. And uh, hopefully on the next pod, we'll cover more about Ayub's... Uh, uh, travel adventures and, and cycling tour through through Europe all the way to Germany. Thanks for listening and we hope forward, I mean we, sorry, uh, tongue-tied at the moment. Uh, look forward to you listening to the next pod. Thanks. Bye.